Hey family, welcome to We All Need Each Other, the podcast from Transformation Ministries. Let me tell you some facts. Each one of us has unique ways of thinking, gifts, talents, and experiences. Each one of us was made in the image of God. Although those things are very real and very true, it is also true that we reflect the image of God very differently. When we come together with our differences and our uniqueness, we can help each other. We can help each other understand different perspectives and broaden our own perspectives. We can help each other grow and learn and understand the beauty of God and also the complexity of this world. That's why we wanted to bring you this podcast. In this podcast, we're gonna get real. We're gonna bring in guests that talk about things like faith, race, politics, relationships, ministry, and justice. With all that being said, I just want to say thank you for being here and thank you for joining us on We All Need Each Other. Thank you, everyone, for joining us again here on episode nine of We All Need Each Other. I'm very excited about today's conversation. Um, this is a topic that Dan and I have been interested in talking about for a while, and we have a great guest here um, to be able to share with us about what it means to be a neighbor. Um, really important topic just in the Bible, but then I think has a lot of a lot of practical impact on on what we're all doing in our daily lives. So very glad to welcome Shannon Martin. And I I know some of you may be familiar with uh, her writing or just her uh, being active here in our local community. But um, Shannon, I'll let you introduce yourself to our podcast community. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. I. My name is Shannon. I live here in Goshen, Indiana, so not far at all from you all. Um, my husband, Corey, and I have lived here now for, well, and our kids. <laughs> We've lived here for about 10 years now, and our kiddos that are still at home are junior in high school, freshman in high school, seventh grader, and then our oldest is out on his own, living his life in Elkhart. Um, yeah, so, so the biggest part of our story that I know we're going to dig into a lot today is that those 10 years ago, we picked up and moved our family from living kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And what we saw very much as our picture perfect dream farmhouse, we assumed that we would live in that real small community out in the country. We thought we'd be there forever and raise our children there. And, you know, it's, it's the life that we always wanted. And once we sort of had that in our hands, we could never have imagined letting go of that. Um, but we were just really captured at some point by this idea of, of kind of being among people in a way that we really had not been before. We were captured by God's heart for people that are at the margins for yeah. all different kinds of reasons. And, you know, for, for us at the time, this was very, this was revelatory. It was, it was, one of those things that that we had to kind of stop and, and say, we had both grown up in Christian homes our entire lives, and yet somehow these ideas had escaped us. And it was sort of disorienting to come to terms with that and to suddenly see things so differently. So, you know, we did we did pick up our family and move to just a very unassuming kind of overlooked neighborhood here in Goshen. And, and now 10 years later, it's really all, especially my two youngest, it's really all they know. 
you know, it felt like just such a huge transition and it was, but now, you know, we're on the other side of it a little bit and this is just our life. So, yeah. And, and I guess I'll add also, I work part-time as a cook at the soup kitchen in town. That's where I just came from today. And my husband, Corey is the, he, since we've lived in this home, so it's a fairly newer thing for him as well, but he became the chaplain of the Elkhart County jail. He's a full-time chaplain there. Uh, maybe a couple of years after moving to the neighborhood. So that kind of sums us up. Yep. And then also a writer as well. So yes, I'm a writer. I know, That's true. Yep. yep. <laughs> we'll make sure we get this in the show notes, but uh, Ministry of Ordinary Places and Falling Free, right? Yes. I'll show, I've got them right here beside me. I'm glad you kind of brought that, that up. Go. But since yep. we're on video, first yep. book and second book. So yeah, wonderful. So yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get those in the show notes. But I'm, I'm, I love, writing myself so really appreciate that side of your story too and we will put this in the show notes too but I know we were saying but but I mentioned before we we uh got on recording that my wife and I are both huge fans of your Instagram account so plug to at Shannon writes on Instagram people should definitely go and follow you thank you thank you Um, just a lot of really powerful you know stories of just your your family's experience and then again why one of the reasons we want to talk to you today of just what it means to be a neighbor in your local community. So I think that would be a great place to start actually, because if you look at your Instagram account, the first word you use to describe yourself in your bio is neighbor, Mm -hmm. right? And so I'd be interested like in, in the Bible, you know, Jesus says the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself, right? So what does this idea of being a neighbor mean to you? And kind of how do you live that out? Well, I think moving into a neighborhood is what, is what gave me um, the, I guess, the perception or the understanding that, you know, we, we talk a lot in church cultures about what is our calling? What are we mm. called to? And I don't, I, I had always heard those verses. I don't think you can be a part of church culture for very long without picking up on, you know, this idea of love your neighbors yourself. But I guess I had never really given it a lot of thought. Um, and at the point that we found ourselves really in a new environment that was unfamiliar to us, in some ways uncomfortable to us, you know, it was just, it was just all very new. I began to understand that to, to live as a neighbor is our calling for mm. every single one of us, no matter where we live. You know, I, I'm always, I want to be really clear that while my story involved selling the farm and picking up and moving and all those things. I mean, typically that's not going to be the response. It's not even necessarily, I, I don't think the point always, um, for some of us, it will be, but I think no matter where we're at, we're not off the hook here. You know, we are, we are called to live as though neighbor is really part of our spiritual DNA. So when you said that's the first word in my bio, I just was here like, oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> now I am the one that wrote that and it doesn't surprise me, but I do think I began to just slowly reframe, yeah. you know, who am I and who am I in Christ and who, what is my real identity? And I, I really do think that it, it kind of begins, you know, with, with God for me, because I'm a person of faith. And then with, with living as a neighbor, that's really central to the way I want to order my life. Yeah, that's so great. And it actually ties into staying with your Instagram account. You recently made a post on Instagram that I want to ask you about, uh, talking about how a decade ago, um, I think you used these these exact words, you said you wondered if you had missed the central piece of following Jesus to be a neighbor. Yeah. 
and that now you've found this really hopeful community that reveals God in new ways. Um, but that, it sounds like that was a process that took a while. Yeah. Um, I yeah. feel like sometimes it can almost feel like this has to be this instant change of, of going from maybe not fully understanding what this idea of being a neighbor means to, okay, now I've got to just be connecting with my neighbors in all these really meaningful yeah. ways. And, and I just sort of have to flip that switch. I guess talk a little yeah. bit about what that process is like for you and, and how it, it took some time to, to get to that. Point. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's really slow work. And, and that's one of the things that we've got to work against in ourselves, especially for me, you know, from the perspective of a, of a white woman who lived most of my life in almost exclusively white circles, we, we in particular have this idea of kind of these dramatic, almost you know, big reveal moments in life. And so I, if I'm being honest, I, I tried to work against that from the start, but I can look back now, you know, I've got the benefit of hindsight and really, really see that, that I did imagine something different than what my life here has turned out to be, that I did picture it more, you know, I don't know if it's just our, if it's social media, if it's our culture, if mm. it's this you know, this made for TV sort of thing, but it's, it's never been a big dramatic thing. It wasn't a big dramatic shift. It was just time. Yeah. It is slow, slow work and it takes time. And it, and when I say it takes time, I mean, it takes years sometimes, because like you said, you know, we, we can come into a place and, and, have this idea of, you know, what does it, the question I was asking myself, I guess, was, okay, now here we are, what, what am I supposed to do? I just could not escape the fact that there was this thing that I was supposed to be doing. And, and so in that there was some kind of saviorism happening yeah. because it's just this, it's kind of this, this force within us of like, we've got to be performing, we've got to be um, contributing, we've got to be it just whatever we, we want to put metrics around things, all of these things that are kind of ingrained in us throughout our life don't bear out well yeah. in neighboring, you know, in, in living as a neighbor. It's just it's just presence and it's it's the willingness to be, you know, there's that the verse that I was fed throughout my childhood and throughout youth group and all those things that we're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. Yep. I think it's kind of flipped. I think we, I think we do need to be, we need to be of our place and not just in our place and being of a place takes time. I mean, you can't just show up on day one and say, you know, you can be in your place on day one, but it takes time to be of the place. Um, and so that's just, that's work that is ongoing. That's work that is still uncomfortable for me in some ways and just kind of kind of exhaling every day and saying, you know, this is my life. I'm just living my regular life here. Um, but I'm, I'm looking for connection with the people around me. And, and it doesn't mean like you kind of hinted to this, but this idea of, you know, then I'm just going to be constantly with my neighbors and we're going to mm -hmm. be doing these amazing things together. And yep. that's not the way life works for me or for my neighbors. So it's a lot of just daily living. It's me. I'm, I'm making, I've, I face the camera this way because behind me, my kitchen is full of tomatoes. Today is the day I'm dealing with tomatoes. I mean, we've just got things to do. Yeah. Um, but to be looking for those opportunities for connection when they come 
and to understand that those, you know, we don't have to even necessarily become best friends forever with all of the people around us, but to come to a place where we know that they have our back and, and they know that we have their back, that's a really special place to land. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So many things that I, I want to keep going to in, in your answer. I think that's really fascinating stuff. One of those, you mentioned kind of this idea of sort of that savior narrative, right? Of like, we're bringing yeah. something to people. And I don't know if this, is, I mean, it sounds like I maybe had a similar um, upbringing as you, where I, I grew up in sort of a conservative, you know, white evangelical community. Yeah. And I don't know if it comes from sort of the putting missionary work on a pedestal, which absolutely nothing against missionary work. There are people sure. doing incredible work as missionaries, but I know in my upbringing, it was always this kind of notion that, yeah, we're taking something, the gospel, we're taking work, we're taking, you know, something to this place that yeah. desperately needs us to bring it. And I think as I've gotten older, um, the yeah. book, uh, When Helping Hurts, uh, I read that in college, was a big catalyst for me in this. It's like, sometimes that way of thinking is, is not helpful at all. Yeah. And I wonder, like, how, how do we shed that? Like, what, what's been your mm -hmm. process in sort of um, yeah. Yeah, not bringing that savior narrative to the, to the conversation? Yeah. I mean, I think I personally would take it a step further and say, not only is it not always helpful, I think it's almost always harmful. Yeah. Yep. Um, and that's, you know, I, that's one of the things that pretty quickly I think that's that's one way that we kind of we kind of become more understanding of the fact that we are of a place mm -hmm. rather than yep. just in a place is that pretty quickly and and you know some of this work thankfully we were able to do at the start but I you know I look behind me and see how much we've grown I hope in 10 years I look at me right now and and notice how much I've grown but the we started to hear feedback from others around us that we were, you know, when, when they knew we were moving into this place, into this neighborhood, that we were going to kind of bring God into this, you know, we live in a lower income neighborhood and, and, and there, I became very struck by the fact that people hear of a lower income neighborhood and they attach that with the idea that the lower income neighborhood must be in need of God. Um, or Corey comes up against that with the jail, you know, that he yep. needs to bring God into the jail. There's nowhere that God isn't already, you know, so the, the elementary school where we sent our kids right up the street here, it's a title one school. When we arrived, it was a failing school, which is a terrible thing we do to schools by giving, giving them these labels, but that's just, that's the way that it was. And so even there, it was like, okay, you know, people that could kind of come on board with this the only way that some people could come to that acceptance was to think, okay, your kids are going to bring God into, into this school. God is very much already at work in the school, in the jail, in my neighborhood. And by the way, sometimes my kids were the kids bringing not God into yep. the school or into the neighborhood, or you know what I mean? Like to set up these dichotomies is a really damaging and, and dangerous narrative and we've got to do that inner work and really being honest with ourselves i mean i i don't want to give the impression that i had completely eradicated that mentality for myself by the time i got here that's ongoing work because we have these impulses within us and we have to confront them we have to be honest with ourselves about these corners of our hearts that are just 
you know, they reveal themselves to be pretty dark and ugly. If we cannot be honest about these things that we've kind of absorbed from the air and from the culture around us, then we cannot do that work of expunging them from us. So, yeah, I mean, I think for us, it's, it's become a lot about being the ones who show up needy whenever possible. Mm -hmm. That is the, that's the biggest advice I give anybody who says, okay, like, what do I do? Where do I start? You've got to be willing to, to show up needy because if, if, if I'm always going to be the one giving whatever that might happen to look like, if I'm not receiving, and if I'm not only not receiving, but not showing up in need, Mm -hmm. not asking for help, then we're right back where we started. We're right back to that that savior complex that is not going to do us any favors in building lasting and really meaningful relationships. I just wanted to pause right here and say thank you. Thank you for joining us and being here with us on the We All Need Each Other podcast. If you want to support us, please don't hesitate to stop by our website, www.transformation58.com slash give. Thanks. We all need each other. I'm resonating so much with of what you're saying. Just again, growing up in that more conservative background where, um, yeah, sometimes you would hear things like, oh, well, well, I, I learned as much from this group of people as I thought I brought to them. And even sometimes when I hear that, I, I'm almost like, okay, well, that sounds like you're surprised that you have, yes. you know what I mean? Like, and that shouldn't be the way it is either. I mean, I get mm-hmm. that the heart behind that maybe is, is in a good place, but it's like, I, I like what you say of the idea of coming into the situation needy of like expecting that this group of people that you're living with has something to give to you. Yeah. completely apart from, you know, what is happening in your own life. Like you're right. not the, the central person in that story. Right. Yeah. To be able to just say, we are, we're existing together. Yeah. You know, that we are, we're just of this place together. We are of this neighborhood, this community together. I, I've just recently reflected, I mean, real recently, like a, a couple of weeks ago, I was somewhere and somebody referred to my neighborhood as, and, and not in a, unkind way it was very matter of fact like you know this is the wrong side we're on the wrong side of the tracks Mm -hmm. and as soon as that was said I was like I don't like that and my next thought was I used to say that all the time because when I arrived there was almost this like you know it was exciting and I wanted I wanted to give context to where we were and there was some pride there I'm sure Um, but man I just had one of those like cringy moments like you know I guess it, it really articulated for me before I was of this place, I was comfortable using those words. Yep. I was in this place, but I was not of it yet. And so I was so comfortable saying, you know, this is the wrong side of the tracks. Now I'm much more of this place and I don't like it. Yep. You know, I very much see this as the right side of the tracks. And I, I wish more people would see that and experience that for themselves. But these are, again, these are mistakes that we're going to make and these are parts of the process and it's just, it's part of that time continuum that these things do, you know, we just learn over time. Yeah. Well, that's a great point. And that kind of leads into my next question of like, if somebody has maybe some baggage with this idea of being a neighbor from the past, because I, I mean, I resonate with what you just said a lot of, you know, I have grown up and lived in the South Bend area my whole life. And I definitely look back at the way when I was in high school, I thought 
and even talked about some of the areas of South Bend that now yeah. I've gotten to know and have met people from. And it's like, yeah, the, the ways that we talked about these places were harmful, you know? Yeah. So what do you do with that baggage and how do you kind of, you know, grow from that? And again, this process you're talking about, like, what does that look like for people that maybe look back and are like, you know what? Uh, I haven't always been a good neighbor and there, yeah, there's some maybe harmful yeah. things that I did in the past. I think it's really humbling. You know, I yeah. just, and I think any opportunity for humility is one that we need to receive. Just allowing the discomfort of those feelings. We we tend to be as a culture, people who want to squash uncomfortable feelings. We want to run from them. We don't really want to deal with them, but we really don't want to talk about them. And honestly, that's why I'm talking about it to you right now, mm-hmm. because it, there's something too. I haven't said those, what the story I just told you, I haven't said it out loud to anybody, but my husband, but I've been thinking about it almost every day. Yep. You know, that one little moment in time was, it really illuminated to me kind of where I've been and where I am now. And, you know, even in some ways where I still need to go, you know, how far I need to go, but there's something to, um, not just doing that inner work, but to talking about it, to saying some of these things out loud, to finding the right people and the right opportunity to really get honest about some of the mistakes that we've made, because those are learning opportunities for others around us, you know? So there are people who are right now, maybe where I was 10 years ago, just in terms of they're younger, they're in a different phase of life, or they're just kind of coming to conclusions now that I, that I came to in the past. Um, I think this is, it's helpful for us to be really transparent about the growth that we are continuing to encounter. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just part of the job. You know, it's part of the deal here is that is that I know that I, I have done and will continue to do things that are harmful to the people around me in every sphere of my life. Like a therapist said to me once, humans are going to hurt each other. It's just part of the deal here. So we're going to cause pain. We're going to cause harm to be able to come around that um, and to to be honest about some of those areas is is an important part of it, I think. Yeah. If we're talking about being a good neighbor and, and being of a place and, and, you know, this idea that, again, that we talk about on this podcast a lot of that, you know, everybody bears the image of God, right? We all need each other. Some of these phrases that we use, um, there might be times where we are in a place where some of our neighbors think differently than us, right? And there might be some yeah. difficult conversations that come up from that. So what what do you think it looks like to be a good neighbor to someone like that, that just sees the world differently than we do. Or I know this is a tough one for me personally, maybe it's people who think the way we used to think that is a way that maybe, you know, we've, you know, kind of grown out of, or just are in a different place of life. Like what does being a good neighbor to people like that look Mm -hmm. like? That's, I'm glad you brought that up because that's something that was in my brain for your last question is, is in that humility of recognizing some of our past mistakes, it also comes with the responsibility to be gentle and to be patient with people who are in an earlier stage of the process, for lack yep. of a better word. It's not really a cut and dried process, but you know, it, I, and, it, and that is another great opportunity for humility. And it's a struggle for me. It can be a big struggle for me, but on the other side, or you know, maybe on my best days, I'm able to, to have empathy, a lot of empathy there in, in some cases in saying, she is me, 
she is me 10 years ago or five years ago, or, you know, 20 years ago. I remember what it's like to think exactly like that. I remember what it's like to be afraid of certain things. I remember. And so as hard as it can be, especially I, I can kind of have sort of a bossy bulldozery, you know, everything is cut and dried personality. Um, it's, it's helpful to be able to, to look at each other in a way that says like, you know, I, I've been there. I remember this, you know, we can, we can be gentle with each other. We can be direct when necessary. Um, but, but these sorts of things are just, they're so nuanced and they're so, the timeline can be so long. Um, having honest conversations though, I think, you know, kind of going back to that last question and, and just sharing, sharing our stories with each other is, goes a long way in those situations. But I will also say, you know, with any luck, you said kind of, what is it like when we live near people who, who don't see the world the same way we do with any luck we do with any luck, we live in a place where we are not surrounded by people who look and live and believe like we do. That's, that's how I lived the first 30 years of my life, the first 35 years of my life. And I had no idea what I was missing. And so, yes, now in the process, the way I see the world is dramatically different than it used to be, but I'm still surrounded by people who in any number of ways don't look or live or believe as I do. We live in a neighborhood right now that has sort of the dueling political signs happening Mm -hmm. still, you know, so you literally have people broadcasting their belief system right across the street from each other. And that can be kind of intense, you know, when we're I can appreciate it in some ways because I tend to be kind of aware of my beliefs on my sleeve too. But what do you do when, when your feelings bump up against somebody else's and that person happens to be your neighbor? I did an Instagram post about that very topic. It's been quite some time ago, months ago. And just saying, you know, that's my work right now is, is being a good neighbor to the, to the people right across from me who, who fly a different flag than I do. Um, and boy, I got pushback. I got intense pushback. I often know when I have pushback coming and I'm usually okay with that. I was surprised by how many people were really saying like, you don't know them anything. And I think that's, I, I understand the impulse to think that way, but I don't, I don't see that as helping our cause here. If we begin to think, you know, we, we will be good neighbors to a certain person or to a certain belief system. I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind, you know, so Absolutely. Um, yeah. it's challenging, but I think it's, I, I can also see the ways I'm still receiving kindness from them, Yeah. you know, and so it's, it's a mutual thing in a perfect world, but I think finding small ways to show kindness and, you know, to just smile when you see them, say hello, share food. I'm a big, big, big fan of sharing food, Um, drop off some berries or a loaf of banana bread or whatever, and just, you know, do the work of, of treating your neighbors, like you said, as though they bear the, the full image of God, because they do. It's complicated. Um, It's confusing. It's uncomfortable sometimes, but, but we, if, if we're going to believe it's true, then we've got to be willing to believe it's true, even when it's hard for us. Absolutely. So you just mentioned some practical things that you've done to neighbor other people. And I'd be interested in, you know, what are some other things like bringing food, um, 
small acts of kindness, like what are some practical things like that that you've done? And maybe what are, you know, what are some stories of the impact that you saw from that? Maybe it didn't happen in that moment, but, you know, later on down the road, like, I, I guess, talk about some of the practical side of, of what being a good neighbor looks like. I think food, food is always going to, I'm a foodie. I love to cook. I love to be in my kitchen. I love my little garden. Um, that was an early, that was one of the earliest things I knew to do was to just show up with food, random food for people. And it seems like people are receptive to that. Um, it's a good way to just open the door. Now here's, I, I kind of tend to take things to the next level when it comes to neighboring sorts of things, but we not so long ago had some new neighbors move in and we took them, I think it was in the fall or something. I don't know. I think we took them food as sort of like a welcome situation. And I'm like, you know, they're telling me their names and I am just like repeating them in my mind over and over again. And then I, I race home and I have a file in my email. <laughs> I have, I have a folder in my email about that's titled neighbor or neighbors. Um, and I have an, an email that I keep a running tally of names because we can't trust ourselves. Like we've got to, at least I can't, we, we can't always remember these details and it's important to me. I've learned yeah. over time that it's really important to just remember their names. Now I haven't talked to these particular neighbors since that very day. We've smiled a little bit. We've waved a little bit. Um, we haven't spent time, spent time together. We are not at that level, but I do remember their names because I've written them down. So I think it's, it's this idea of, you know, making that connection but then pairing that with some real intention behind the scenes so that I learned this the hard way because there's nothing worse than having that big, you know, hey, nice to meet you. We're so-and-so, you're so-and-so. And then you see each other two months later and you have to do it all again. Yeah, It's just these little things I think that can go a long way. Um, and then I guess I'll share this because it's fresh in my mind also. When you said, what are some small things that I've done to be a good neighbor? We just last Thursday, I was cooking something, trying to scramble around and get dinner together before leaving for an away volleyball game for my daughter. And I had the burner on low and I kept thinking, okay, I'm just going to let this cook as long as I can before we leave. And then before, as soon as we're ready to go, I'm going to turn that burner off and we're going to go. So we end up in Bremen, which is, you know, 30, 35 minutes away. And I'm sitting, I sit down for this volleyball game. And I said to my son, did I turn off that burner? <laughs> and he's like, I don't know, you know, why would he know? And I just kept, because I, it, it's something I kept trying to remind myself to do. And I was not sure that I had done it. And that's bad. It's bad to leave a burner on <laughs> when nobody's home. So I sent out a group text to two of my closest neighbors and said, is anybody home? Our back door is open. Can you can somebody please go check and see if my, if I left my burner on and they both responded and one of them ran over and I, it, so to say, what is something I've done to be a good neighbor? I've been needy. Yeah. I have shown up in my, I mean, there was part of me that was like, I know my house is a disaster because we've been trying to do 10 things at once and get out the door. Um, they now know that our back door is often open. You know, there's all these things that kind of go through my mind and just, being embarrassed like they're kind of seeing behind the curtain here and that's awkward and on top of all that I left a stinking burner on and then drove you know 20 miles away but 
two days after that, the neighbor, a new neighbor who turned the burner off, emailed me or texted me and said, hey, can we borrow your wheelbarrow? Mm. We're doing a project. And I think this is the way that it works best. When we can just say, here we are in all of our complication and in all of our mess and in all of our kind of chaotic, you know, messiness. Um, take me as we are, take us as we are, and we're going to do the same for you. So I'm just always going to come back to the best thing we can do to be a good neighbor is to show up needy. That's so good. And I think that leads into then another question too of, so that was kind of, yeah, the question originally was sort of focused on like, yeah, what are some practical ways that you've been a good neighbor, but then, and you kind of just answered this, but what are some moments where someone's been a good neighbor to you that have really impacted you? you know, where the sort of the focus of the situation is on somebody else and they're helping you out as a neighbor. Yeah. I mean, I will say that text asking to borrow the wheelbarrow was really special to me because I thought, okay, there's, this is working, you know, like this is, we're, we're in this together. Um, but our, just another example that is, that is top of mind is our next door neighbors invited us over for their, she was the neighbor, one of the kids was turning 16 and she showed up at our door last week and said, you're, I'm inviting you to my birthday party. I'm turning 16. It's Saturday. And we never miss those opportunities. They often invite us to birthday parties, but we were going to be gone all day Saturday. So we said, we're sorry. We're not going to be able to make it. We were bummed. Um, and we got home Saturday about eight o'clock and, you know, the party started at five, the party should be long over. And I was out kind of puttering in my garden and her brother came out and said, hey, Shannon, the party's still going on in the basement if you guys want to come over. And so we wandered in. I mean, we'd been at the lake all day. We're sweaty. We're gross. They're all dressed to the nines. And they just cleared a, a space for us in their basement and started bringing us plates of food. And a lot of times, because we have a language barrier with this particular family and with everybody else they invite to parties, you know, we always go, but it's always kind of like a we're sort of the, the ones who can't communicate with the rest. And so oftentimes we'll be there for a while and then you know we'll head out. This particular time, we were the last ones there. We kind of shut the party down <laughs> and we just had so much fun together. And I, I sat there, you know, we're, we're eating food that we were just stuffing ourselves with food and just being in their home and thinking back, you know, we're kind of reminiscing over things that kids have done together over the years. And it's kind of just that, it's that long haul mentality of we've, we've just, here we still are 10 years later. And, you know, you've invited us into your home and you didn't have to, yeah. you really wanted us there and you welcomed us to welcomed us in, you welcomed us as we are. That's just the best feeling ever. I mean, I just, I don't know that, I don't know that it gets better than that. And it's so vulnerable. It's just a vulnerable thing to invite somebody into your home and they just yeah. consistently do it. It's hard for me yeah. um, sometimes. And they just continue to kind of show me the way and show me that it doesn't have to be complicated and we can just keep things simple. And, you know, we're going to do the best we can to communicate and, and we're going to just, yeah, we're going to rely on a lot of laughter and smiles and food. Hey, sorry to interrupt. But if you're loving this episode and you want to access any past episodes or show notes or more content, visit our website, www 
transformation58.com slash podcast. Okay, get back to the show. Oh, well, that, that's such a practical one too, because I, I know from my wife and I, yeah, it can be the, the difficulty of inviting people in is sometimes you think, well, the house has to be spotless. We've got to do yeah. all the work to prep it, you know, for, and yeah, there is something to just inviting people into our real lives and just sharing that. And yeah, yeah it might look a little messy or, you know, it might, it might not be perfect, but nobody's life is perfect, right? Nobody's that's sort of is. Fake, we, yeah. Right. We pretend we, pre, you know, we pretend that our lives look a certain way, but when somebody is is coming through the back door and you're not even home and they're seeing, they're seeing yep. how we live. But I, but I know what I hope is that they're thinking like, oh good, they live just like we do because yep. I think we yep. all, we're all kind of living the same sort of life. It's just, we've got to get over that hurdle of being the first ones to kind of let the cat out of the bag. Yep. <laughs> so I'd be really interested to see what you think about this question. Cause I know, um, in, in Christian circles, specifically this idea of neighboring or maybe another Christianese word you sometimes hear is fellowship, right? Uh, sometimes there's a difference in the way we talk about that with people who are quote unquote in the body of Christ versus people who are not. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's a difference in the way we neighbor those two separate groups or like, mm -hmm. how does that practically play out for you? Hmm, that's a great question. I, I would say most of our connections are with people who we are not connected to, I guess, by faith. This isn't yep. to say that, that people don't have a faith experience of their own, but that that's not the primary connection or that we might not even necessarily know. You know, I don't, I think I'm learning and, you know, I've, I've been learning, continue to learn not to make assumptions mm. about somebody's faith experience just because for me, it, it looked a very certain way when I was younger or even in early adulthood. And so I had these ideas about kind of what marked somebody as a person of faith. And I've, I've come to see how faulty that lens is. Um, so a lot of times you might not necessarily know, but beyond that, or maybe even not beyond that, but as, as a part of that, a lot of the people that we end up in connection with as neighbors are through the jail. So these are people who have been incarcerated and are now kind of rebuilding and, you know, trying to, to reenter and all those different things. And so there can be the assumption that if you've been incarcerated, you certainly need faith. So that's the first thing. Um, and that's not true. I would say most people have some, they have a, they have a foundation of faith. Um, it might look very different than mine. It might be a completely different faith than mine, yeah. yep. but I, I think there's just something to, um, it, I, I'm just, I'm reflecting on a lot of these friendships and relationships and there's just a real, a real, um, rawness and a, a vulnerability. Um, it's easier for me for Corey and I, for our family, it's easier to be in connection a lot of times with people who are not overtly people of faith, or like I said, who that's not the primary connector. Um, and so again, it can be a challenge. The challenge can be building relationships with somebody who, who has a very kind of, um, I don't know, the, the faith experience that I grew up with, that it looks a certain way 
and you there's a lot of a, a lot of time and energy put into appearance and not just physical appearance but just like you know making sure that the secrets don't get out yep the secrets yep. that we all carry um i've learned so so much about vulnerability and even vulnerability with god vulnerability mm. within my faith from people who don't have all these layers of protection around it if that makes sense oh yeah kind of what you're getting at there at the end and, and one of the things we've talked about <laughs> the podcast is like one of the ideas of saying we all need each other is not just that we all need each other like for a transactional relationship right like you yeah. give me something and i give you something but it's like we all need each other so that we can both understand god better like there's that this yeah. other side of it that like i'm now going to grow in my faith because i'm seeing how God is working in your life or in someone yes. else's life. And I think that transfers to this idea of neighboring because it's like, as I'm attempting to be a neighbor to someone, or maybe even more accurately, as I'm being neighbored by another person, I'm seeing how God is neighboring me, right? Like yeah. I'm in that mirrored in that relationship. Yeah. And I think that's really powerful. Yeah, we, we do in each other, you know, we, we get a, a really rich and a truer picture of who God is and how God loves us. Absolutely. And we just, it's, it's more one-dimensional if we're surrounding ourselves with people who have learned to see the world from the same lens that we've learned to see the world. And so there's just this, this kind of disruptive, um, really sort of maybe chaotic is not the right word. I use that I, as a compliment. I mean, there's just this, this, this disruptive energy in, in viewing God in a much wider way, you know, so yeah. one of my favorite books is tattoos on the heart by Greg Boyle. Mm, yep. And he has a line in, in that book that says, how much bigger is the God we have than the God we think we have. Mm, and I think we, we see more of the bigness of God when we see God through the lives of the people around us and through hopefully a, a pretty wide variety of people. Yeah. That's where we, we do see some of that bigness of God. And I don't think we've seen it all. Um, I think that's part of this, you know, the, the excitement that we can have for this ride, this wild ride. Um, but to just, to see that reflected off of different humans around us is just the best thing. Yeah. So I want to be careful with this next question. I, I can sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm, 29 and so you know have experienced a, a small window of, of life so far sometimes it's easy to feel like the stuff we're going through in our culture in our world today is like either tougher or easier depending on which way you look at it than any other generation has had you know what I mean yeah. like sometimes you hear it talk about that and I don't know that that's always true but certainly the last year plus has been very trying and there's been yeah. some very difficult things that have happened for all of us right I, I'd be interested to see how how has neighboring, this idea of neighboring changed for you? Obviously the pandemic, but then a lot of racial unrest specifically mm -hmm. over the last year plus. You kind of talked about the the different political views that sometimes we come into yeah. contact with. It. Like a lot of this stuff swirling all at once. Like has, has the idea of neighboring changed in any, um, you know, tangible way for you over the last year plus? I don't think it has changed. I mean, I think the pandemic really made it very difficult. I yeah. had to, that was just a, it was, it was honestly even not to be too dramatic, but it was something I kind of grieved was mm -hmm. that, I mean, understandably everybody went inside and stayed there. 
And that was a really hard thing. You know, it was so, it broke my heart last summer when the, when the kids that my kids used to spend all day, you know, running around the yards with, you know, that, that wasn't happening. And it felt like it was such a pivotal time. Like they were right on that edge of getting older when they stopped doing those things anyway. Um, it was really hard for me and just hard to not be able to have those connections, those regular connections, hard to not have people in my home. Um, so yes, in, in that sense, things changed. And in some ways we're kind of rebuilding or just kind of kind of in some ways back to business as usual a little bit. And so that's, that's comforting to see that, that those long relationships are still holding. Um, but with, with sort of the political and racial tension, you know, I, I would say I am for some of my neighbors, that person that has signs in my yard that make them uncomfortable. You know, this is the, this is a two-way street and it goes both ways. And I'm aware of that. So my hope is, and I see this as in them as well, they're just, they're, they're the people in my mind that when I'm tempted to think, you know, when, when I'm tempted to categorize people or I'm tempted to just write people off, or I just can't get around the fact that they're, they're still kind to me and I'm wearing my feelings on my sleeve and they're doing the same. And we're, you know, it's very clear what's happening here. It's very clear that we're not moving out in the world in the same direction. But I hope that, I hope they feel the same of me. I hope that when they just, you know, are just furious with a certain sort of person that they remember, that they remember me and that they can think like, well, but she's still like annoyingly a nice person, you know, like, it's like, it would just be so, so much easier if we could just be terrible to each other and write each other off. But, but we're not doing that. Yeah. And I guess I, I guess I would say, you know, the past couple of years, I've become more aware of that feeling mm. of, um, of sort of wishing sometimes that everybody around me could, could think exactly as I do. The problem with that is that's, that's sort of the life I came from. You know, like I used to be in this echo chamber and we moved out of the echo chamber, right? And now it can be so tempting to want to be back in an echo chamber, just a different one, maybe. Um, I, I think we just, we need to stay disrupted and we need to stay uncomfortable and we need to just keep contending with the tension of this is hard and it's complicated and we're going to get frustrated with each other. But when we keep meeting each other as neighbors and we keep sort of just basic kindness and basic kind of taking care of each other in small ways when we keep that at the forefront it does it does mess things up for us a little bit it makes it a little harder to draw these these hard lines and to just kind of write people off yep. i think that's kind of what what god would would want right yeah. now you know to keep living with conviction i'm not into peacekeeping but i'm very much into peacemaking and, mm -hmm. and so sometimes that means, you know, being, being bold and consistent with things that are important to me, but, but finding the, the tension and kind of just being in the tension with, with people who feel otherwise. Uh, that's so good. That is so good. Well, I know we're quickly coming up on our time, but I do have to sneak in one last question, because this is one that I always like to ask people. You can take this any way you want. Okay. Uh, but I'm always interested in whether this is some type of art or um, sports, wh wherever you want to go with this, but what's something right now that's just fascinating you? 
I am, I'm fascinated constantly. And if you follow me on Instagram, you already know this, but I'm fascinated by the sky all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I care about the sky. This is new to my life since living in this neighborhood and it just keeps building in intensity. Um, my kids just know now that that's the way their mom is. I'm, I'm fascinated by the sky. So that's the first part. I'm right now fascinated by flowers. I, I love flowers. I'm growing flowers and I'm in like my sweet spot right now, you know, August, September or, or peak flower season. Yep. But I'm finding that it's really vital for me to find things that are beautiful. And so I've been even just, I've, I've got a spiral notebook, just, you know, one of the 25 cent back to school, I grabbed a new one for myself and I've been writing down every day, one thing that I found beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I really, I, I tip it, it tends to be something that, you know, didn't cost money necessarily, or wasn't, you know, some big extravagant thing, but just a moment or, um, sometimes it might be the sky. I just, things feel so hard in so many ways. Um, I am a justice person. I am wired to fight for the underdog at all times. And there are just, there are so many people being oppressed in different ways and injustice everywhere. And I can just feel the, the anger rising in me. And I've, I've been asking myself a lot, like, you know, what, and asking God, I mean, what, what can I do? Like, I cannot live like this, but I also, I don't want to lose that fiery part of me. And I think at least part of the answer is beauty, you know, finding, finding beauty so that we can continue in the work of justice, because there is something beautiful every single day. Yeah. I did wonder if you were going to say anything about the sky, because you take pictures <laughs> of, of the sky. I do see a lot on your Instagram. So I did not sky. disappoint you. No. Yeah, no, that's great. <laughs> well, on, on that note, definitely everyone make sure you go and follow Shannon on Instagram. Shannon, is there another place people can go outside of Instagram to keep up with your work? And I'm on Twitter. My spicy side lives on Twitter. I'm at Shannon writes in both places and I love them both. I'm on both of them most days. The best place to really track with me though, would be to sign up for my email list. Um, It's called the soup and there's a free version. And for people that want to hear from me more often, there's like a $5 a month version, but either way, you can find the link to those in my Instagram bio. And that's just the best, the best way to kind of keep in touch with what I'm working on and what I'm doing and, and to just kind of get a peek into my life. Awesome. Well, yeah, we'll make sure all of that is in the show notes for today. And yeah, just thank you so much again for being here. This has been- Thank you. I loved it. Thanks for having me on. Of course.